0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Um, before, we're going to start with uh, um, just a story uh, from, her name's Jasmine Lockett, and she works Woo! on staff, so if you can welcome her up. She's going to share about the simple...
1: Okay, so um, like you said, I'm Jasmine. I'm from the Illinois region, and um, I'll just jump right in. For most um, of y'all in the room, um, you are going to be faced with if not already being faced with what to do after you graduate and um, I just want to say it's just really difficult Um, it's really hard to kind of try to figure that out Um, and I think why for me it was so hard and why it probably is so hard for you is that you don't want to just make a decision about it or even make a good decision but you want to make the best decision and the wisest decision and so that's why we just want to try to think well about that and um, I think for me, kind of what it looked like is I studied English, um, education in college, and, um, and I was growing in my walk with the Lord and just in my desire to um, build God's kingdom and um, just growing my faith a ton. And um, as I entered into my last year of college, um, God really blessed me with just having a few different opportunities for um, jobs. Um, and so I was offered unofficially a teaching job um, and also just had an opportunity to go into full-time ministry um, and so um, during all of that time, um, just like trying to figure out what to do, um, there were a few things that I did. Um, and one of those things was I just asked myself um, questions. Um, questions like, um, which option um, will I not have the chance to do later? Or which option? Um, uh, Is going to develop me in these ways and my character that I need to grow in, and um, or which, um, what will it look like to make disciples in this context versus this other context, and. Um, I also had just a lot of conversations with um, my close family members and um, friends that knew me really well and knew my struggles um, and knew what I excelled in and enjoyed, and so um, just they um, allowed them to speak into that um, decision um, just based on the knowledge that they had of me, and I also um, had some opportunities to kind of shadow people in those different fields um, to just get a realistic picture um, of what it would be like to be uh, in those um, jobs, um, and I also um, just spent a lot of time um, listening to and talking to God. And so that just looked like me just um, reading scripture a lot asking for people to give me scripture to read um, and praying and really wrestling with God um, about the decision. Um, and then I made a decision. And finally, um, I think um, I just rested and I made the decision knowing that um, I could trust God. He's faithful. Um, his word said he's good. He's sovereign. He's in control. And so I could make the decision um, and not waver back and forth and worry if this was the right thing to do or not because God is a good God and I could rest and cling to his promises in that. And so um, that's kind of um, what it was like for me. Um, and I'm going to just turn it over to Mike um, and he'll give you all the goods. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks. Um, So, like I said, my name is Mike Caponegro, I work with Campus Outreach um, at a school called Eastern Illinois University, and it's in Illinois. And um, (laughs) this is my second year on staff, and I just got married this summer uh, to my wife, Laura, and so we live in Charleston together, yes. And um, very cool story, actually, Um, a year ago, I guess tomorrow, exactly one year ago tomorrow was the first time I ever talked to Laura. And I met her here, yep, I met her here at this conference, and um, the first day of the conference, I was working at a registration table, and I saw her, you know, and I was like, oh, who's that, you know, and um, <laughs> I wanted to go, like, talk to her, but I was afraid that she was already married. And, like, one of my biggest fears was that I would walk up to her and start, like, asking her questions and stuff, and then her husband would come along with her kid and be like, oh, hey, you know, I'd be like, like you know, like, like, that was, I, I, yeah, so I sat in my chair for, like, you know, five minutes, like, thinking, like, oh, I, I'd love to talk to her, but I don't know if I can even find out if she's married, if I just have to wait uh, to see her husband or something. And then I was like, oh, if she's married, she should have a ring on her finger. Like, that I ne- I didn't even cross my mind, and then... <laughs> So then I like look on her hands, and she has like a ring there, and a ring on there, and a ring there, and, and I'm like, I, I was like, I don't know what I don't know what <laughs> ring or what finger a ring goes on. So totally, yeah, 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 I know. Totally unashamed, I pull out my phone, Google what, <laughs> thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. what ring or what finger does the wedding ring go on? So, okay, that one. Okay, so look, it's like, okay, no, she doesn't have one. Um, So I was like, okay, I can go for this. So um, the the week, though, was really busy, so I didn't get to talk to her until the last day of the conference. And the last day of the conference, um, like the rally had ended and everyone's like kind of cleaning up, getting ready to go, and I'm getting ready to go. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Lara, and she's like helping like pack up things from the stage and like put things away. Sorry, I thought I was like, what is that? So she's, like, packing things up and putting away. And I brought a group of guys with me from Eastern, and I, like, got them together. I was like, okay, guys, like, we're going to help clean up, you know? So I, like, (laughs) sent them, I sent them out, and then in my mind, I was like, how am I going to, like, okay, how am I going to, cross paths with Laura. So she's like walking around with these curtains and I, and I was like, hey, do you need help with those? Like, She's like, yeah, I do actually. So I was like, okay, great. So we started talking and now I'm like talking to her. like She's like, you know, I've been thinking about her and now all of a sudden we're talking and I'm asking her questions and we talked for literally like five minutes and I found out a little bit about her and I found out she was living with this couple in Minneapolis and I knew the couple and when I went to leave conference, like after our conversation I left thinking, oh, I'm just going to talk to the husband's name is Paul. I'm going to talk to him and, figure, you know, tell him I talked to Lara, And so I met him on the way out. And I said, Paul, like, I just met Lara Watkins. She said she lives in your basement. He's like, yeah, man. I was like, is she single? And he's like, yeah, man, she is. I was like, well, what do you think would be an appropriate way for me to, like, get in contact with her? Because we talked for five minutes. I thought it would have been weird to, like, try to get her number. And he's like, well, I'll just give you her number and you could call her. I was like, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, I mean, like, yeah, five minutes, okay? So, I go back to Illinois, she goes to Minneapolis. The n- the very next day, I'm like, I'm going to do this. So it's like pick up the phone, dial a number, it rings, you know? you know. Hello? I was like, "Hey, is this Lara?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Hey, this is Mike Caponegro. We met yesterday folding curtains after the <laughs> rally." She's like, "Oh yeah, hey." You know, I was like, uh I was calling to you, and I said I was like, I was wondering if you'd be interested in going on a date with me if I was to drive up to Minneapolis. And she's like, I. Uh, it was. I mean, it was awkward. Like, imagine, imagine. It was a little awkward. But she said, yeah. And but it was funny. She's like, well, when are you gonna be up in Minneapolis next? You know, like maybe we would time it out. I was like, well, I'm not. I mean, would we'll only come up there to take you out. So like, we're gonna have to figure out a time now. So. So that, was a, that happened on a Monday, and I drove up on Friday the same week and took her out on a date. I drove up to Minneapolis, six hours. We went on a date. It was awesome. And after when it ended, I left like, telling her, I, was like, I, I really enjoyed my time. Like, I'd love to stay in touch and build a friendship. Would it be okay if I called you? So things transpired. Things happened like, pretty quick because we got engaged in March. So I met her in January. We got engaged in March and got married in July. This isn't a relationship seminar, so I'm not telling you you need to do it that way. I'm just saying that's what happened with me, and I share that story because I was faced with like some big decisions, like really quick, like okay, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with one woman. Like you know, we bought a house, we bought you know, just a lot of big things, and you know, you begin to wonder, like God, like is this okay? Like you know, like I'm about to do this, is this okay? And I think a lot of you probably came here with similar questions. Like hopefully, there's things on your mind. Where you're like gosh, I got to figure out if I'm going to change my major or if I'm going to go to a different school or if I want to do missions overseas or if I should date or marry this person or, you, you know, whatever you've come here with, I think we're all here to to figure out, like, well, does God have a specific plan for my life? Like, is it is it specific? Does he care if I major in this or go to this school and and do all these things? And the answer to that is, yes, God has a plan for your life. And I think... Um, Actually, I want to share one thing before that. So he does have a plan for your life. He does care about your future. And and he does. And um, that's what on your blank, if you're following along, the first slide there is, does God have a specific plan for my life? And like I just said, the answer to that is yes, he does. And he does care. He cares about you greatly. And he cares about all the details of your life. And he cares about your future and your career and all these things. Um, But... But God is not going to tell you what his plan for your life is before it begins to unfold. Like so many of us, I think, just I'm not going to make a decision in my life until I, God tells me, this is where I want you to go to school, this is who I want you to marry, this is what I want you to do. And so many of us just wait, it's like, well, i, I got to wait until God tells me before I make a decision like this. And we kind of view God's will for our life as a core maze. And there's only one way, and I need to figure it out. And if I make one wrong turn along the way, I'm gonna reap like serious consequences, and I'm gonna spend years of my life kind of undoing all the pain and mistake that happened because of that one time I decided I'm actually gonna do this, but God really wanted me to do that. And so we're gonna really, uh, I'm gonna first talk about a few faulty ways of how people uh, go about trying to find God's specific plan for their life, and Just so you guys know, like if I share a way, you know, a faulty way, and you're like, gosh, I've done that, uh, you're in good company because I've done all these things I'm about to say. And I think if you were to uh, find out just each of us individually, we're all on common ground here. And so, some faulty methods of finding God's, trying to find God's will for your life, the first blank there is open and closed doors. And I think if you spend enough time around Christians, Um, or just in a church, you'll hear that phrase like, God's opened up a door for me, or God's closed that door for me. And there is uh, truth in that statement, because what people are saying is, well, God gave me this opportunity, or God's taken this opportunity away from me. And there is a reality. If you want to really do something, but you don't have the opportunity to it, you can say, uh, God closed that door. Or you could say on the other side, maybe you really want to do something and you get the opportunity to go overseas and do missions or uh, go to a different school. You can really say, God's opened up that door. That's legitimate. Two of the dangers though, I think that come with this way of thinking is, uh, for example, if you graduate college and you put your resume up online and you just, that's the only thing you do and you have to find a job, so you put your resume online, and no one's calling you back. You know, weeks are going by. You're like, gosh, no one's calling me back. God must not want me to get a job, you know. Um, that's not true. Like, you should get a job. The reality is, is you probably should get off your butt a little more and do some more work and make a few more phone calls and talk to a few more people you know and start to work a little harder. And, and But people will say, well, God's just closing that door. He doesn't want me to do that. And that's just not true. You just have to work a little harder. And and sometimes if a situation's hard, it doesn't necessarily mean this isn't God's will for your life. The truth is you may just need to work a little harder to figure that out. On the flip side of that, what can happen is, you know, at the school I go to your typical student, no offense to, you know, Eastern people here, they're not super ambitious. Like I've talked to so many people, they're like, I'm taking 11 credit hours or 10 credit hours. It's like, okay, you know. Like I see you more at the rec than I do, you know, I never hear you talk about studying but for some people, they're really busy. Uh, you know, you may have 16 or 17 credit hours. You may be working a part time job. You may be involved in several clubs. Like, you may have a full schedule. And if you use the thinking, well, whenever I have an open door, God's telling me I need to go that way, okay? I mean, use that person for example. Full schedule, you know, they're overwhelmed and their boss is like, hey, we'd like to ask you to work, you know, full time. And you were saying, like, God's opening the door. I have to go that way. Well, that's a mistake also. And so you can kind of see, you can use that way of thinking and end up in, in the wrong place. And um, I just wanted to, to share that way because it can be easy to think, well, if a situation's hard, God must not want that for me. Or if you have an opportunity, you can think, I need to take that. And that's just not true. The second way, um, I've, this is probably the one I've, for me personally, um, Well, I'll just share, it's signs, okay? Who has ever thought, like, God, if you want me to do this, like, you better give me a sign, you know? Like, when I, you better give me a dream, or when I wake up tomorrow, just, you better make it obvious, you know? And we just want God to kind of do tricks for us to, like, lead us the right way. And, uh, you know, so if, I don't know, you could really fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. I mean, I met a guy, I knew a guy, I still know him. Uh, We worked on staff together, And he, like, really, really liked this girl. Like, he loved this girl. And he was, like, so sure that God wanted him to marry her. And, like, he would tell me these stories of, like, you know, I'd walk out of my room and I'd see, and she was, like, the first person I saw. And I was, like, this must be happening. Like, why would God have that happen if he didn't really want me to approach her and ask her on a date? And eventually, um... He opened his Bible up one day, and like the first passage he saw was, you know, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And it's like, that's when I knew God was telling me, you need to go marry this girl. And he took it literal, like literally. And he tried to date her, he tried to marry her, they didn't get married. And he's married to another woman now, and they have three kids. And so you can see if he was taking those signs and interpreting them as, God's really telling me this, he was wrong. It was just totally wrong. I think just to add on to that, is God tells, like, um, Jesus tells people not to test God. You know, don't test God. And I think that's really what we're doing when we're trying to figure out, like, God, do you want me to do this or not? You're testing him. You're saying, if you want me to, you better do this. And, And Jesus commands us not to do that. And so that story I share just kind of leads us into the third faulty way, is through random scripture, okay, yeah. yeah, hey, who's ever just opened the Bible up and, the, like, finger down, oh, you know, and, oh, wait, not that one, you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, Jesus hanged himself, it's like, oh, not that one, it's like, you know, like, like I mean, who's really done that, or you just open up the Bible and you're like, okay, like, but the, the thing is, is, like, we're really looking for something in that, like, we really are, and that's, it's a, that's a, A massive mistake. Um, Because what, what you're doing is you're thinking, God's word has more power in my life if I just open it up at random. And the truth is, is it has power. But it's through reading it day in and day out and studying it and learning the scripture. It's not from just opening up the Bible at random. And to go back to that story with my friend, he opened it up and it landed on a good verse to kind of, you know, check off on this is what I want to do. And, and I opened it up and says, you know, go marry this girl. It's like, okay, you know. And so I just kind of wanted to debunk those common ways um, of trying to find God's specific plan for your life. And the truth is, that there, there is a right way. And there's a better way to try to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? How am I supposed to live my life? And how am I supposed to make decisions? And so we're going to turn now to a passage in the Bible. I'm going to read it. It's a a longer passage of Scripture. Excuse me. So if you can hang in there, uh, I'm going to try and just draw out some main points from the passage after I read it. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, I'm not going to go through that whole passage. I just want to draw out some of the main points I think are important to take away from it. The first point um, is God does not want you to worry or be anxious about the future. And, And you wouldn't have to study the passage very long to pick that up. Jesus says, you know, don't be anxious about your life. No. Which one of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan. You know, don't be anxious about tomorrow. And um, it always helps me when I think about, like, I'm trying to understand something, I, to look up the definition of the word anxious. And I looked that up, and um, the definition is, like, to have mental distress or uneasiness because of fear uh, or danger of misfortune, you know, in the future. So whenever maybe you came here trying to figure out, like, if you have a big decision in your life, to ask yourself a well, am I anxious about this? Like, when I look in the future, am I anxious about or worried about what could happen or what could go wrong or what if I make a mistake? Um, Those are the types of things you want to begin to figure out. And um, Look, I, I will not stand up here and say, hey, just don't be anxious. It's like, we all know. It's like, it's not that easy. Like, there's things I'm really anxious about, and I talk to other people about them, and I'll pray about them, and right as soon as i'm done praying i'm just as anxious you know maybe as i was before i prayed and so i know the first point is to not be anxious but if you continue reading in the passage jesus actually tells us some things that will help us figure out okay well how could i actually not be anxious which moves me to my second point which is god wants you to trust him with your life and i think what that really mean what he really means by that is that he wants you to really know and believe that he cares about you. Like, he cares about you. He cares about your future. He cares about your school. He cares about all of it. And he gives us a few things in the passage to help you to help you believe that. He says, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. So he's te- Jesus is teaching to a group of people. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So what he's saying is, if you look at a bird, they're not, like, stockpiling all this food. They're not, like, planting seeds and then harvesting, you know, so that they can have it for later. Like, if you really look at a bird, they don't even know where they're going to get their next meal. Like, they're flying around all day looking for food. And Jesus' saying is, and God feeds the birds. And then he says, how much more valuable are you than a bird? Okay, well, if God cares about the birds, he's going to take care of you. And then in addition to that, he says, after he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And, 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 and what he's saying there, he says, he's saying, if you look at a, <laughs> this sounds weird, but it's kind of cool with Joe Rigney kind of sharing about like the earth and like taking, like appreciating creation. Jesus is saying, if you look at a lily or a blade of grass, It's gloriously clothed, okay? I know it sounds weird, like it really does. It's hard to appreciate a piece of grass or a lily. But Jesus is saying, if you look and understand, there is true beauty in the grass, the way that God has clothed them. And the grass is so clothed, he says, even Solomon, King Solomon, in all his glory was not clothed like a lily. It's like, King Solomon's like, that guy was decked out. And Jesus saying, it's even Solomon in all his glory isn't clothed like a blade of grass. And then Jesus says, if the grass is cut down, okay, because that's what he says, is the grass gets cut down and then it gets thrown in the oven and it's used for fuel. He's saying, if the grass is just getting cut down and then it's so gloriously clothed, how much more valuable are you than a blade of grass? Don't you think God's going to clothe you and take care of you? And so Jesus kind of uses this logic to help the people really, like, really get their mind around like, whoa, like God really does, he cares about me. And so I think this passage, those two things, hopefully will push you in the right direction to begin to think like, okay, God tells me not to be anxious, and he's giving us some things to really get a hold of and believe. And so you're probably wondering like, what the heck does that have to do You know, with making decisions and finding God's will for my life. And and if you read in the passage, he actually gives us a few things uh, to, like, know what his will for our life is. And I think it's going to be surprising, um, but if you look in the passage, you know, um, in verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and so that first blank you have there is seek his kingdom. And what he's saying in this is that God is king of the universe, and so to seek his kingdom means to wherever you wherever you end up in life. Like if you end up at a you know whatever college, if you um, whatever major you take, whoever you marry, wherever you live, if you go overseas, to seek God's kingdom really means it's a daily decision. Okay, when you wake up and you decide, what am I going to do today? It's a daily decision to seek God's will or God's, um, and seeking God's kingdom is like this. Uh, for me, I'll wake up and say, like, gosh, I'd love to go play frisbee golf or go fishing, you know. And if I were to just choose what I wanted to do every single day, I would be seeking my own kingdom. But Jesus says, seek my kingdom. Okay, seek to make my name known. Demonstrate how great of a God I am by the way you live, the way you talk, the way you love other people. And so it's a very broad kind of stroke as far as like God's will for your life really does. Has less, it has less to do with who you marry and what school you go to or if you live in the dorms or the apartments or things like that. And it has more to do with how are you living your life every day? Like are you living for yourself? Are you really living to make the name of Jesus known and show people that he's great? And so uh, God doesn't tell us um, all those kind of little questions that we're trying to answer in the Bible. And so um, I hope in a sense that's freeing for people because it was freeing for me when I really began to understand that. Like God gave you a brain. And if you have many options and decisions, there's freedom in what you're going to decide to choose um, but the first thing he's saying is, whatever you do, whatever you do, seek my kingdom. And then in that same line of scripture, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so that second blank you have is seek his righteousness. And this is not a complicated concept, but it is hard. Okay? To seek his righteousness literally means to become more like Jesus Christ. So how does Jesus uh, think? What are his motives? How does he act? How does he treat other people? What's his relationship like? God, like what's his character like? You know, like patient, gentle, kind, things like that. Is he is saying is uh, my will for your life is that you seek my kingdom and that you come, you grow to become more like me? And and when I first heard that, it was kind of like. It's almost like you're not getting the answer to your question that you really want. It's like, no, like I want you to tell me though where you want me to live, and I want you to tell me what you want me to study, and what I'm saying is he doesn't say that in the Bible. He says seek my kingdom and become more like me. And when you really get a hold of that, it's actually very freeing for you when you become to to start to make decisions in your life. And so um, I'm going to kind of. Before we well, before we end, I'm going to give you guys some really practical things as far as like how can you make decisions? But this is kind of like an overall arching thing and this should really start to drive your decision making process. Like if you have a couple decisions, you can ask yourself like, okay, if I move here or, you know, if you can live here or here, you can kind of figure it out like, okay, is this going to help me? Is this going to really help me seek God God's kingdom? Is this going to help me become more like Jesus or is it actually going to harm me and hold me back? Those are things you can begin to ask yourself about the things that you have in your mind right now. Is, is this really going to help me become more like Jesus or is it going to hold me back? Is this going to help me share the gospel with other people or is it going to hold me back from doing that? And so um, I do want to give you guys like some very practical things as far as like you can leave here like okay I have this decision to make here's three things I can do to make it. Um, and so we're going to take the God-centered approach to making decisions. So the first one is study and meditate on the Word of God. I want to explain why that's something you, sh- you should do to help you make decisions. Okay, so study it. Like, you know, I'm guilty of opening my Bible and just, whew, okay, in one ear, out the other, time to go do what I really want to do, you know. But to study it, to really like wrestle with the text, learn about it, and to meditate on it, which means to like, okay, when you figure out something about Scripture, to like think about it, you know, like think about it. You want to, how, does how this going to affect my life? Like what does this really mean? And, you know, so like, you know, the passage of Scripture we just went through with Matthew 6, you know, about not being anxious, you know, you can really like in your heart figure out, like what am I really anxious about? Like what am I afraid about? Why why does it matter that, you know, Jesus says don't be anxious and that if he takes care of the birds, he'll take care of me? You know, do I really believe that? And, and, And in doing that, the word of God will start to change you. And like that's just one passage of scripture. And you can spend hours studying that and meditating on it. And God's given us a whole book of things for us to study and meditate on as we grow as Christians. And what I'm saying is that when you do that, Actually, the Bible is saying this when you do that, is that you'll begin to change. Your heart and motives and mind will begin to change and will actually help you make decisions uh, that you have in front of you. And I think uh, Matthew 6, the passage that we went through, would be a great starting point. Um, if you're wondering, like, okay, well, where do I start? Uh, the second point is seek counsel from mature Christians. So I'm going to read like just three Proverbs that... Uh, kind of speak to that. It says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. That's Proverbs twelve fifteen. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, "Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed." Proverbs nineteen twenty says, "Listen to advice and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future." So, how would that look like in your life? whatever decisions that you've you have you know you have to make soon it would look like this who are some wise more mature older Christians that you know that you could ask hey here's the opportunities I have here's some pluses and minuses I kinda you know what would you do if you were me or what's you know, can you give me some advice on what I should do that's what that looks like and so you know for when I was dating Lara or, like, it was, you know, moving fast. I, there was older men I had in my life, like, hey, like, this is going really fast. I don't know if I'm crazy, but, like, I think I'm falling in love. Like, am I crazy? Like, what would you, you know, can you give me some advice? And so they kind of spoke into my life. And that's what I think Scripture saying applies to all of us and all the decisions we have to make. Um, are you willing to seek advice? And actually, to go a step further than that, I think it could be easy, but okay, I asked someone for advice and then check off on that. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, I asked for advice, but I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it anyway. But I think there is maturity in being like, okay, the advice they just gave me is actually different than what, what I wanted to do. And to ask yourself, are you willing to change your mind? Like, is it possible that the advice you just sought is actually the thing you really should do? And I think that happens a lot of times. You seek, you seek counsel, but then you're just like, I'm still going to do what I want to do. And and I think it's wise to be able to say, okay, to step back and be like, I'm hearing from three people I should do this one thing. Uh, I want to do this and be willing uh, to change your mind and go a different direction. I think that will be very helpful. It's been very helpful for me in my life. And the third thing is to pray to God regularly. Okay, I have never... Uh, met anyone and i've never experienced like someone who's prayed and god said like just do it you know or like don't do that or like marry this person or, or go to a new year's conference i've never experienced that or met anyone but there is a reality in which god because he cares so much he calls us to pray to him and i don't know what it would look like for each of us individually uh to like be guided by god but he does call us to pray to him and there's there's a few things that I think they're good things to pray, and, and God has told us, you know, these are good things to pray. And so the first is, um, you can write these down as you want. They're just really pretty general. But pray that God would give you wisdom. Pray that God would help you to make whatever specific decision that you have to make. Pray that he would give you guidance in that. Pray that God would open up your mind to understand the scripture. Because if the Bible really is his word, like if it's true, it's like we need to really understand it. And a lot of times you can just read it and it just bounces right off. It's like, ah, whatever. Like, I'm just going to do this. So pray that God would open up your mind to understand the scripture. And just pray that he would use you to spread his kingdom. You know, pray that he would give you a good attitude. Pray that he would help you grow in trusting him. I think if those are things that you begin to center your decision-making process around, um, you know, if you have a decision and you are studying and meditating on the Word, you have sought counsel, you're praying about it regularly, and not just one time, like, I'm, you know, I've done that. It's like, okay, I prayed, like, let me just do this thing. It's like, no, 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 no. pray day in and day out, you know. And, and, and after you've done those three things, just make a decision and be okay with it. And don't look back But I should have done this, oh my gosh. Like, if you make a decision and something hard happens, it's not a sign of, you made the wrong decision. Jesus said, actually, your life is going to be harder when you follow me. So if you make a decision and you enter, you start to experience suffering and pain, don't take it as, up, oh, I made the wrong decision. Because through that pain and suffering, God can actually do, and he does, great work in our hearts and faith. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.